Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Thanks very much. Right, we're now particularly sort of honoured to have Amy giving our message this morning. Let's welcome Amy up. And let's just pray for Amy as we start. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the message that you've given Amy to give to us this morning, Lord. Um, bless her for her obedience in bringing it to us, Lord. And we pray that you'll open our ears to hear and our hearts and minds this morning. And we ask in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Can you hear me? Have I turned this on? Excellent. Great. Um, thank you very much for, for listening to me. It's, it's an honour. Um, So we're doing a series on the red letters of Jesus. And so Simon said, okay, pick your favourite words of Jesus. And I thought, brilliant, that's easy. It's actually really hard because Jesus says a lot of good things. So um, I kept trying to pick my favourite and I just couldn't. So I did what I probably should have done at the start. And I prayed and I said, God, is there anything that you need me to hear and that maybe the church needs to hear? Um, And I had this um, verse running through my head. And it's from Matthew 28, 16 to 20. And it's the bit at the bottom that was running through my head, which is the version that was going through my head was, and remember, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I had a couple of thoughts because it kept coming back to me. And the first one was, I do not want to preach on the end times. No, thank you. (laughs) We had a small group session on this and it was really difficult. (laughs) It's very complicated. Thankfully, this verse, I don't really need to touch on that. So that's good. (laughs) But my second thought was a thought of conviction. And I feel like God was saying to me, remember that I'm with you. And I had a sense that I had forgotten. And I don't know, I'm sure you will know that life can get really busy. And that's what I've had recently. But why is it that when I get busy, the first thing that I tend to shorten is the time I spend with God? And that's what I've been doing. And it was like God was talking to me through this verse. Remember that I'm with you. And whenever we cut God out, we might think it's giving more hours to our day, but it's actually it's taking away, for me anyway, the peace and the strength and the joy that I need to get through my day. So I really want to start by just telling you that I'm not trying to be a hypocrite (laughs) in what I'm going to say today that it's so relevant to me and it might not be relevant to any of you but this bit at the end remember that I'm with you always really struck me and I just at the end I'd really like to pray for anybody who would like that kind of passion again to spend time with God because it's so easy to lose it and it's the easiest way to to lose our joy so let's read through the verse so Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." Now, this is something that Jesus said to the disciples after he had died and come back to life. And I want to put a little bit of context around the times he came back after he died. So I did a bit of research into this, and it is a contentious subject of 
basically where did he turn up after he died, who did he appear to, and the Gospels have got slightly different accounts. So I tried to sort of find the absolute facts, and I'm not a scholar, so I'm not going to pretend to know all the details here. But one thing I did read, and I thought was really interesting, is that the facts of the Gospel, is like four different people talking about one event. And a good analogy is, say Chris and I were to go out for dinner, and we met with a group of friends, and you said to me, Amy, what happened when you went out for dinner? I would tell you exactly what food I ate. I would tell you who was there. I'd tell you who I had a conversation with. I might tell you what people were wearing. I might take a while to tell you. If you said to Chris, Chris, what happened when you went out for dinner? He'll probably tell you about a funny joke someone told, about something that was funny that happened. He'd probably tell you a lot less than I would tell you. But actually, perspectives. So that's kind of what the Gospels are. So they talk about Jesus coming back and some of them say there were three and some of them say there were more. So this is just a really quick stop through. It's, it's vague and um, if I get something wrong, just forgive me on this one, but I have tried to do my research. So this is the area and it is quite a small map, but what we've got here is uh, Jerusalem at the bottom and Galilee at the top. Now Jesus died in Jerusalem and three days after this, he appeared Uh, to Mary Magdalene and the other women and he hid his identity at first and then he eventually revealed it after Mary had had a chance to share how awful it had been and what she'd been going through and I just want to pause on this because there are two things I really love about the fact that Jesus appeared to ladies first so (laughs) there are parts you can read in the bible especially in the sort of letters in the new testament that might seem like maybe women aren't as important um, just because of the culture, but there is nothing in Jesus' time that, mean, that shows that he thought women were less important. And I'll tell you why. Women in this time could not act as eyewitnesses because their testimony was not felt to be important. We were above animals, but you know, nowhere near on the same level as men. So, and you know, that's a really sad fact, but that's how it was. Now, the disciples were accused of stealing Jesus' body and pretending that he'd risen from the dead. If they had done this, there is no way they would have used women as the first people to see Jesus because no one believed them. And it says in the Bible that no one believed them. So that's just a really a little bit of an aside that I think it's, it's brilliant. The next time that Jesus appeared, I believe, was two followers of Jesus. So the people that had been following him around, not necessarily the disciples, they were walking to Emmaus and they were sort of talking about this absolutely life-changing event that they'd had. So they'd given up so much they were following Jesus and then he died and they again they met this person on the road and they were sharing what they were going through Jesus hid his identity and then he showed them who he was and then they ate some food together which is I think really great um I like food (laughs) so the next time is we're not 100% sure he turned up to the disciples when Thomas wasn't there um he sort of they were quite shocked obviously to see him um He then turned up a while later when Thomas was there and Thomas had sort of doubted. They told him, we saw Jesus, we saw Jesus. And um, Thomas doubted and Jesus allowed Thomas to sort of look and see. And I think we give Thomas a really, really hard time sometimes. We call him Doubting Thomas. Which one of you wouldn't doubt if someone told you someone had died, had come and seen you? Like, we would all doubt. It's, It's very, very, very strange situation. So he shows up a few times. Then he shows up whilst they're fishing in Galilee. Um, So the disciples see him on the shore. Peter dives out of the boat, swims towards him. They eat breakfast together. 
Another bit of food. Excellent. And what Jesus does then is he encourages them to believe in him. And this is what I've just read out to you. So this is the last time that Jesus appears in Galilee um, and he's taken up to heaven. And so these are the last instructions that he gives. Say you were to go on a really long journey and you were seeing your family for the last time. What would you say to them? Imagine you'd say really important stuff. Imagine you would say, someone was smirking over there. Maybe they wouldn't say really important stuff. (laughs) Someone you really loved and it was the last time you'd seen them for a while. What would you say? You'd give them your most important feelings. So what I want to do now is just talk about this passage a bit. And the thing that I love about the Bible is that it wasn't written in English. So when we read the Bible and we use a word in English, there's often hidden meanings that we can only understand if we look up the definition of what it was in the original language. Um, And I think I've got this, I'm I'm a tech geek, and I've got this app on my phone, and you can click on a word and it will tell you what that means in the original language. And I think it's amazing. So what I've done is I've done that on a few of these words. So, to put it into context, Jesus had died, he'd come back, he'd appeared a few times, and now he was appearing to the disciples on a mountain, which is a quite significant place in the Bible. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. So, they got the microphones out and, you know, they clapped. That's actually not what they did. They worshipped him, and the definition of this is to kiss someone on the hand, like you would do with a queen or a king. But my favourite sort of flavour of definition of this is to lick someone's hand like a dog. (laughs) We don't have a dog yet. Um, I'm hoping to have one. (laughs) I got that one in there. Uh, We don't have a dog yet, but I imagine it's the best feeling when you've been at work all day and you come in and your dog's just really pleased to see you and, you know, they jump at you, they slobber on you. Maybe that's not so nice, but that's kind of what this word means. How pleased must they have been to see him? And we're British, some of us here, and that doesn't feel very natural to us, that kind of outward show of emotion, maybe. <laughs> but it's what's going on in our hearts. Is it in our, are we like slobbering dogs in our hearts? That's a very weird thing to say, but are we that eager and pleased to see Jesus? And I just, I'm not always like that, and I wish I was, but that's what the disciples were like when they saw him. And the next thing is that some doubted. And I've touched on that already, but let's, let's just look at this. Let's give them some credit. How many times have you met someone who does miracles, who raises people from the dead, who heals sick people, who seems to know what you're thinking before you even think them? How many times have you met someone like that and then you've had such hope and then they've died and then they've come back? I don't think any of us have seen that. There is nothing in the world, you know, in the past or in the future that is like Jesus. We've got no frame of reference for him. There's nothing in our, in our minds that we can compare him to accurately. And we're taught from a very young age to look at the evidence around us, to look what we've encountered before, to make sense of what is in front of us. So there's no way that we can make sense of Jesus looking at what we already know. Of course they doubted. And... I'm going to say something a bit bold, and I apologise if I'm wrong, but I don't think it matters how long you've been a Christian. I think there will always be times when you look at this and you think, whoa, that's really unbelievable. I mean, when we were singing the creed just now, I believe in the virgin birth, I believe in the resurrection, we're saying things that are actually 
from what we've been taught to know, impossible. And of course we're going to doubt. Of course they doubted. This has never been done before. It will never be done again. This is the Son of God. If we were able to understand him, would he be the Son of God? So I think the thing I really want to say is that it's okay to have doubts. The disciples had doubts. But the thing that you can do with those doubts is you can say, okay, I doubt this. This is really hard to understand. But Jesus, I'm going to give you credit. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And when you give him the benefit of the doubt, that's when you start to realise, oh, it's true. You've got to take that step of faith to go, this doesn't make sense, but I'm going to trust you anyway. So I hope that I said that in the way that I meant it to come out. So then Jesus goes on to say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And we skim over that, all authority. Wow. But actually, not long ago, this man died. If he had all authority, why was he allowed to die? In the sort of culture of the time, the idea of a Messiah was definitely not someone who died. The idea of a Messiah was a mighty warrior who would come to Jerusalem, overthrow whoever was lording it over the people at that point, and just kick them out. So what the disciples were expecting, although Jesus had started to have conversations with them saying this isn't how it's going to go, they were expecting a mighty warrior to come and kick the Romans out. They saw the enemy as the Romans at that point. And actually what happened was Jesus was killed by those Romans. How disappointed must those disciples have felt? I mean, it's just gutting. If you try and put yourself in their shoes, they followed this man, they gave up their lives, they gave up families, they gave up jobs, and they were expecting him to conquer the Romans and and bring sort of the Jewish... And he died. Not only did he die, he died a criminal's death. And people were laughing at him. If he had all authority, would he really have let them... I'm not going to go into details because there's children here, but would would he really have let them crucify him? You can imagine those doubts going through their head. And so often there are times in our lives when we expect God to do something glorious and wonderful and there's a problem in front of us and we're praying about it and we're like, oh God, you could fix it this way and it will look amazing and everyone will look at you and go, wow, it's a mighty king. You're a warrior king. And sometimes he does that, but then there are other times when we go, God, you could fix this situation and it could be glorious. And he goes, actually, I'm going to take you down a different path. I'm going to take you down a difficult path. I'm going to take you down a path that looks like you're failing, that looks like what I'm doing isn't working. And actually, by going that way, there's going to be so much more joy out of it. And I feel like when I was planning this, that there was a phrase that went through my head and it was, the apparent failure in your life is the very thing that God will turn into the most incredible success. The worst thing in your life, the thing that looks like a failure, the thing that you look at and go, God, what are you doing? Where have you been? That's the thing that God will turn into the most incredible success. Because that's what he did. He died. That was an apparent failure, a massive failure. But that is the most incredible success. And it's the same in our lives because God, he uses patterns And this is one of his patterns. So if any of you are looking at your life and going, oh my goodness, what have I done? I've failed. Or God, what are you doing? This makes no sense. Just trust, because that could be the very thing that God is going to use to make a huge success of of him and of you. Now moving on to the next bit. And it says, therefore, go and make disciples. 
Go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. When I used to read this, this used to scare me. I used to think, I'm not up for that. (laughs) And the thing I thought in my head, and I don't know if you think, I think of people in great crowds, giving an altar call, kind of trying to convert people. I think of, you know, having to be the kind of person that every stranger you meet, you try to tell them about Jesus. And I just think, oh my goodness, I'm not up for that. So thankfully, I had a look at what this actually means, and I think what it actually means I am up for. So the word disciples here, the word disciples means learner. So we're called to go and make learners of all nations. And there is obviously a place for giving people a choice to make a decision for Jesus. That is right and we need that. But that is a small part of what this verse is talking about, a really small part, a crucial but small part. We're called to make learners. How many of you can learn to tightrope walk in the time it takes to say a prayer. Would anyone like to test that? (laughs) No. (laughs) How many of you learnt to drive in the time it took to say a prayer? Some of you might. I certainly didn't. (laughs) It took me a long time. (laughs) Can you say a prayer and learn to say French? Like, speak in French fluently? We're called to make learners, so we're called to inspire people to know about Jesus. And there's a definite place for asking people to make a decision for him. But it's not, this is not talking about kind of vaguely pressurised and manipulating situations where you try and convert people. That is so what this is not talking about. This is talking about living your life in a way that inspires people to learn about Jesus. And that can look in so many different ways. So you're called to inspire people to learn about Jesus. We're called to baptise them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism means, you know, going into the water, dunking people bringing them back up but it also means overwhelming them and I think how cool is that that people are called to I'm not saying we overwhelm them that is not what we're supposed to do but the Holy Spirit can overwhelm people and it's just amazing sometimes you see that don't you when people are just absolutely overwhelmed by God teaching teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you how are we meant to inspire people to learn about Jesus if we don't know much about him So that's why it's so important to learn and to have good teaching. So I want to go back to this part here. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. In my translation it says remember, but what it basically means is behold, lo, which is a really old-fashioned word, look, see. It's a real thing, I'm with you always. This is the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples. And so I think it's probably a very important thing that he said. I wanted to come up with like a visual aid to help us to kind of remember Jesus. And it's a very, very silly thing. But I thought, how can we remember that Jesus is with us always? Because he doesn't often remind us. So I started Googling something that maybe we could all bring around with us. And I managed to find this. It's a slightly deflated <laughs> blow-up Jesus, the size of a doll for the, for the podcast. Um, maybe we could, like, strap this to our shoulders, a bit like a parrot. 
No, that's, I'm being completely silly, but I've been told that visual representations are really important to help us remember what we're talking about. So if you think, what did Amy talk about? Think about blow up Jesus. <laughs> we need to remember that he's with us. Now, there are... Um, Kind of, there are some people who, when you ignore them, they, they can make a bit of a big deal of it. Jesus isn't one of those. And um, I was thinking, I kind of want to tell an embarrassing story about Chris. It's not that embarrassing, but I feel like I'm owed some. <laughs> so, whenever I go out for dinner with Chris and I start checking my phone, He's quite vocal about the fact that I'm not paying him attention. So you'll get a few sarcastic comments. And I think people are smiling over here after church. Have you ever been on the receiving end of a Chris rant? <laughs> phone rant when you, all, you finish church, you check your phones. Oh, I see. Anti-social network. Everybody's just checking their phones. Um, Chris is really vocal when I forget about him, which is useful because then I don't forget about him. <laughs> but Jesus is not like that. <laughs> Thankfully, when we ignore Jesus, he doesn't send us a a sarcastic message through the clouds. Oh, I see. I just died for your sins and you're not even paying attention to me. Thankfully, that doesn't happen. Jesus is, he's not going to interrupt us to tell us. He might, when you're praying about what to speak about, give you a verse that says, remember, I'm with you. But he's quite a gentleman. And I really want to pray for people who just need a bit more of a a sense that God is with them because it's so easy to start serving and to get sort of preoccupied with what we're called to do that we don't spend time with the one that we're called to love and I think there's nothing wrong with that I think it happens to everyone it's not best for us it's not what Jesus deserves but it's something everybody does so at the end of this I really like to pray for that group of people who just are struggling to remember struggling to make time for God But I also want to pray for people who just can't feel that he's with them or you've just come through a time that's been so difficult, you can't feel that he's with you. Because everybody goes through those times in life. It's not easy. Sometimes when you become a Christian, it gets harder (laughs) because suddenly you've got a world of opposition. Sometimes there are times when life is so difficult, you just can't see God. And there's an amazing poem, and I'm sure you've heard it, but if you haven't, you're in for a treat. If you have, you're in for a treat. This was written by Mary Stevenson, and I don't often like poems because I'm not that kind of person. When I was at school, my mum had to explain them all to me (laughs) when I was trying to do English. But this is a cracking poem. It's brilliant. One night, I dreamt a dream. As I was walking along the beach with my Lord, across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene... I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand and I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you would walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you the most, you would leave me. And he whispered, my precious child, I love you and I will never leave you. Never, ever, during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, footprints, it was then that I carried you. 
And so often it can feel like that in the hardest times. We can't feel him. His presence seems really far away. Nothing seems to make sense. But the fact is that he is with us and he is carrying us. And I don't understand why it can feel like that because it seems quite cruel. But he is there. And I don't think it would be right to preach on this subject without sort of giving some attention to that feeling of when you're going through such a tough time and God's not there. So... This is the point where I just would really like to pray for people this morning. So I want to pray for a few groups of people, and it doesn't matter which one of them you are, and I'm going to ask you to come to the front, not because there's anything special about coming to the front, but it just is easier to pray when you're at the front. However, if you don't want to, stay where you are, and you can still, you know, God will still look after you. So the people I want to pray for are those who who have been serving and doing all these things for God and they just need an extra sense of him. They need to get that passion to spend time with him back. That's one group of people. Another group of people are those who are going through really tough times and they can't feel God. And it's absolutely okay if you don't want to come to the front if you're in that time because God can still look after you. But I also want to pray for those who have been through a time like that. You're on the other end, but you're struggling to trust God because of it. And actually, I think that there's a sort of time for healing today, for for times when you felt like that. You're no longer in them, but you're actually still a little bit held back by that. So I'm going to ask if everybody could stand up. And then I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to count to three, because I always need a count to three (laughs) to come up to the front. Um, And if we could have some music in the background, that would be great. Jesus, I just thank you so much that you're always with us. I thank you that no matter what it feels like, you're always there. I pray for people here today who just need that extra sense of of who you are and how amazing you are and some inspiration to remember that you're with us. I pray for those who are going through a really difficult time and who can't feel you. Holy Spirit, would you fill them now? I pray for those who have just gone through or maybe many years ago went through a time when they couldn't feel you but they're still hurting because of that. I pray that you'll heal them this morning. So if any of that applies to you, or if you just want a bit of prayer, would you come forward? Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more, or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside. <laughs>